Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. Thank you. You can be seated. What an honor it is to be here. I've been praying for you for years. Today's going to be a little different. Everybody, if you're all right with me just obeying the Lord today, would you just say amen? Amen. Good. A couple of things. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be speaking to the Cincinnati group as well as this Florence group. But I want to say thank you to Pastor Marcus and Sarah. They are the most genuine, dear, kind, sweet servants of God. I've known them so long, I remember when both of us were young. (laughs) Now let me say to you, as I begin, there are no words to express from the depth of my heart and the recesses of my soul of what your giving has meant as we restore the hope of the people of Western Kentucky. I have been living in hell, but I'm here to report that heaven has intervened. Because of your generosity, an eight-year-old boy has clothes and is no longer made fun of in a school. He lives in a car with his mother, and they were in the tornado in Mayfield. As a matter of fact, we got them into a hotel room because of your generous giving. We bought them Christmas, and I don't understand, but this kid has a 4.0 living in a car. You were able to give encouragement to a saint of God who laid her body over the top of two grandchildren, babies, in a tub in Barnsley. And all she knew to do was to plead the blood of Jesus. And they both walked out. Why don't you give the Lord a head clap of praise? Amen. So thank you. Thank you. Now I know you're approaching 21 days of fasting and 100 days of prayer. And I want to shine some spotlights on some spiritual disciplines in a kind of an unusual way today. Uh, A recent report amongst millennials, millennials said their number one goal this year is to get closer to God. I think this is true of any generation. We live in a world where there is so much pain and a world where there is so much anger and a world where people are desperate to know that there's a little hope. And I want to ask you to go along with me in three different phases. Number one, maybe you are searching for God today and you're wondering if he's real. And you are now in a church that's challenging you to pray and to fast. And so maybe you're starting your journey. I want to give you a little insight. But maybe you're like me. And you love the Lord all your life, but there came a point many years ago where you failed God to where you shipwrecked your faith and not leave faith. I didn't sleep with prostitutes. I didn't steal money. I didn't guard the gauges of my heart. And I found myself, after preaching the gospel, trying to find my way back to God. I'm going to give you a little insight. Maybe you're where I am now and where many of you are at, and you love God with all your heart. He's first and foremost your love. I want to kind of help you a little bit as well. You see, years ago as a pastor, I lost my strength with God. 
I buried 52 people from October the 16th to October the 16th. I'm a strong human being. I have a lot of tenacity. I'm Italian. Patience is not a virtue and I don't pray for it. (laughs) But I hit a brick wall after doing good. It was doing good that wore me out. It was doing good that actually exhausted my soul. And I'm not talking about 99-year-old ladies. I'm talking about 26-year-old engineers with babies in the womb. I'm talking about a 24-year-old boy two weeks from receiving his PhD. I'm actually talking about an 18-year-old girl that had a dream that she was going to die. Told her mother how she was going to die, what she wanted me to say to her at her funeral, and what she wanted to be dressed in. And then I buried her in August. I had enough of pain in my life and enough of grief to kill a Clydesdale horse. And so me, the man of God of faith and power, I stumbled into a counselor's office. Broken. (laughs) And wondered if God ever cared about me or if I had failed him and couldn't find my way back. And I told her everything. And she looked at me and she says, I have no earthly idea how you're standing or functioning. And so what I want to tell you today and share with you are some of those principles that I found that makes a healthy 2022. And if you want to have a healthy 2022, you've got to ask a question. What is the gauge of my heart saying to me? You see, we all have a gauge in our heart, and I've got to, before I can get any further, I've got to thank James K.A. Smith and Ilio Delio and, and uh, Henry Mer- uh, uh, Nowen and Thomas Merton and some other Franciscans that are actually saved. I think there's something wrong in charismatic communities when we think we've got a corner market on knowing God. I want you to go look with me at Psalm 73, verse 26. And in Psalm 73, verse 26, it says, My flesh and my heart fail me, but God is the strength of my heart and the portion of my life. So I want to talk very quickly in highlights at 30,000 feet about five things. Number one, gauging your heart and how to know to gauge it, how you gauge it. Number two, reevaluating what we love. If I were to ask all of you, you would say, if I ask you, who do you love the most in 2022? You're going to say God, but the truth is sometimes that's not true. Sometimes we're so far away from what reality is, we blind ourselves and we fall into a ditch. I want to talk about prayer because prayer isn't always what you think it is. And I want to talk about worship because maybe we need to look at worship a little differently. And then I want to embrace brokenness and give you the five gauges to a successful year. If you're ready, give God a hand clap of praise if you don't mind. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about gauging our hearts. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 4 and 23 says, you gotta keep your heart with all vigilance. You gotta guard it like you're guarding something precious because out of it flows all of the things of life. 
It's this little cardia, this little mechanism in the middle of your soul, your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions, connected to your body and related to your spirit. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, in 2022, I want you to prosper in your body, in your soul, and in your spirit. So Proverbs 17 says, if you want strength, get joy in your heart. Jeremiah said, if you seek me, God says, if you seek me, you will find me. Only when you seek me with all your heart. Psalms 10 and 17 says, oh Lord, oh I know this one, I got a, a t-shirt in this. You hear the desire of the afflicted. Anybody in here ever been broken, say amen proudly. The truth is we're all broken. And you hear the desire of the afflicted, you will strengthen their heart. In other words, if you're just coming on the first basis of God and you're trying to find out who he is, I've got great news for you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, that there is a God in heaven that loves you and that he hears the affliction of your heart this morning. But he doesn't just hear the affliction of your heart. Psalms 10 and 17 says he'll strengthen your heart. But here's the problem. John 12 and 40. It says this whole world has blinded our eyes. And it has blinded our eyes. And now it has hardened our hearts. The things that used to make us weep no longer make us weep. The things that we used to value and embrace that we no longer value and embrace. And it's almost like we never intended to be here. It was like when I first went into ministry years ago, um, I ran from God after I preached my first sermon. I ended up in a bar and, and all of a sudden I, at three in the morning, said, how in the world did I get here? Because I was cold and I was indifferent and I didn't guard my heart. I didn't keep it gauged. But ladies and gentlemen, you can have the most successful 2022 year you've ever had in your life if you guard your heart because out of it, everything flows. Now, we get a hardened heart, but it goes on to say we also understand with our heart. We comprehend. Now, I know when I use the word heart in Western civilization, many of you think it's light and it's a little fat angel with a bow and arrow and it shoots people and it's all this mystical kind of uh, mushy stuff. But no, no, in the first century, your heart was your seat of intellect. Your heart was the seat of all your passions. It was your heart that guided you. As a matter of fact, it's fascinating to know what neuroscience is now showing us about the heart and about emotions. We used to say that Descartes was correct. I think, therefore, I am. That's not correct. We now know that's a lie. We now know that it's impossible to have any kind of thought without it being connected to your limbic system, which is where your emotions are at. So let's talk about gauging the heart real quick. Everyone go to Ephesians, excuse me, everybody go to Psalm 73, verse 26. So let me show you something. I'm going to do a, a little bit of exegesis, and I don't want to get too deep, but I want you to understand how you can dig into the Word of God. You ready? Say amen. amen. Psalm 73 and 26 are verse. It says, my flesh and my heart fail me, but God is the strength of my heart and the portion forever. When it says my flesh fails me, it, it means my tissue. It means my humanity. It means just being me. My heart here is the word for the human heart, which means the human courage in my heart felt me. But then it says, but God. But God is the strength of my heart, which is Greek 
for this saying. To say that God is the strength of your heart means that God is the rock of your heart. Which means that when you've got God in your life, your foot is never going to slip. You may have a bad day, you may have a bad month, but let me tell you something. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. And I know that God is good and that he's good to me and that he is a good God that loves me and that God is kind. Isn't it amazing that the first thing that God ever showed Moses when Moses said, I want to see your face, and God said to Moses, if I ever showed you my face, you'd drop dead, homeboy. You're never going to make it out alive. And Moses said, no, Lord, I want to see your face. And that's what this church is asking to do when you go into 100 days of prayer and 21 days of fasting. And it's my prayer that you get to see his face. So what does the face of God look like when you're broken? What does the face of God look like when you're trying to find your way to God? What does the face of God actually look like, ladies and gentlemen, when you're trying to find your way back to God like I did years ago? And what does it look like when you're trying to guard the gauge of your heart so that this is the most successful year you ever had with God? It's interesting because the Bible simply says in the book of Exodus that the goodness of the Lord passed before Moses. Of all the things that God could have chosen to show Moshe and reveal himself, Cincinnati, he let his kindness I don't know about you, but I'm so tired of mean Christians. I'm so tired of Christians who think they don't ever do anything wrong and they act like all you have to do is say this verse and you can snap a sovereign God into, into obedience. You know, I prefer to go to God who is kind because I'm safe there. I prefer a God that is good and what it means when it says that God is the strength of my heart, it literally means God is the rock of my heart. He'll keep my foot from slipping. Someone give God a hand clap of praise and say amen. Now I'm going somewhere. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. And it says something interesting here. It says now the rest, now for the rest, now for the rest, finally be strengthened by the Lord in his vast strength. Now, the word rest there is a Greek word which actually means from January 2nd forward that 2022 could be a year in which you rest in God to where you lose your worries, to where you know how to put it upon his shoulders and trust him in everything you do. And the word strength there is an improper uh, interpretation of the Greek. It's actually the word empowered. The word empowered means that God equips you to rest in 2022. And he does it with his manifestation, his vast power, which is his strength, which means his moral strength. He gives you strength in your health. He gives you strength in your mental ability. He gives you strength where you didn't even know you had it. And so what we learn is that there are are scriptures that tell us how to gauge 2022, and that is whatever you do, watch your heart. Let me talk about something uncomfortable. 
Let's talk about love for a minute. In John 1 and 38, Jesus says something that I find absolutely amazing. Jesus looks at the 12 disciples and he doesn't say, what do you believe? He doesn't look at them and go, what do you know? He looks at them, and everybody wants a successful year this year, say amen. amen. He looks at them and he says, what do you want? So the question I have for you in 2022 is what do you want? It's not what do you know, and it's not what do you believe. It's what you want. And why is it what you want? Because you are what you want. We all have enough of God right now as to the gauge of what we want from God. You've got as much of God as what you want right now. So why, what do you want? Instead of what do you know? What do you believe about hermitology or eschatology or ecclesiology or any of those other ologies? No, it's what do you want, fellas, ladies? Is it possible that we have some things wrong in the Western church? That it's not about first knowing and believing, but it's actually first about hungering and thirsting. Maybe we don't get close to God the way we have been taught. Because folks, you can't think your way into holiness. And you can't get sanctified by information. And I have enough of degrees to fill a thermometer. Luke, maybe AA is right. It was our best thinking that God is here. It's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end leads to destruction. But the truth, when you look at Philippians chapter 1, 9 through 11, it says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth and insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless before God and then be filled with the Spirit. So the Bible actually tells us that if you want a successful 2022 year, Love comes first. And then knowledge. You don't remember passages of the Bible and then start loving God. I mean, if anything has been an absolute failure in Western Christianity, it is that knowing God sanctifies you and makes you different. No, it is not knowing about God. You can understand all of the mysteries of the world, but until your heart falls in love with him and until you learn to love him and until he becomes the first love of your life, the second love of your life, and the only first love of your life, you'll never know him. So love has to come first, and when love comes first, it abounds, and then all of a sudden knowledge is picked up, and then death comes, and then discernment comes, and then you're filled with the fruit of the Spirit. What if I told you you are what you love? 
The question is not whether you're going to love something. That's not the question. Uh-uh. The question is, what will you love? I mean, some of you love working out. Some of you love your girlfriend. Some of you love your spouse. Some of you love your job. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But God is asking all of us in 2022, what do you love the most? Do you realize it's impossible for your heart to be emptied? Because your heart is always going to love something. You are what you love because we direct our lives towards what we love. I love Japanese food, so when I'm in a city, I direct my life towards Japanese restaurants. (laughs) You see, love is like gravity. And what we love the most is what we habitually do the most. So if you really want to know whether you love God or not, ask yourself what your habits are. And when I fell out of love with God, it was my habits that fell out in love with God. And once my habits left, my love left. You see, your deepest desires are the ones, ladies and gentlemen, I love you like you're my own kids in the the faith. Your deepest desires are actually the ones that are manifested in your daily habits. So if you want to know if you love God in 2022, ask yourself, what are your habits? Because routine trains the heart muscles. Coming to Sunday service, even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't get anything out of it. Learning how to worship him when you don't feel anything. We gotta get past thinking that worship is about emotions and the limbic system. Worship is about discipline and honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. Worship is about loving him no matter what he does for me. And worship is about loving him because he's my habit. The problem is hunger is learned. And truth, the deepest desires of your heart, are actually connected to your habits. So you gotta learn in 2022 how to calibrate, how to calibrate your heart. If you are what you love and you love is your habit, then discipleship might be about the rehabilitation of that love. You see, here's the secret I love Pastor Luke. I love the worship here. I think it's one of the best in America. I do give God a hand clap of praise. But I had to learn something different about worship. I had to learn worship requires a body. And that no one cannot not worship. It's not a question of whether you're going to worship or not. It's a question of what you're going to worship. The danger is pretty much whatever you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money, you're never going to have enough of it. If you worship your body, you worship beauty, you worship sex, you're always going to feel ugly. And as you age, you're going to die a million deaths. If you worship power, you always feel weak and and afraid. If you worship intellect, you're always going to feel stupid. 
But love is really about what we desire. And isn't it interesting that the first step to God is desire and the first step to sin is desire. So the wisdom of rethinking love is really about the desire of wanting to worship God because our hearts are oriented by desire by what we love. Whatever we desire is what we love and whatever we love is what we've been desiring. And so desires are formed by habits which makes Christians differently. It's an absolute scandalous bunch of people I'm preaching to right now. How dare you get up and pass neighbors that are asleep? How dare you mow, go past people mowing their yard or going to get a cup of coffee? You are a peculiar people, a people called out of darkness into this marvelous light. So worship does not begin when they strung the guitar. Worship begins when you get up and you discipline yourself and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Somebody shout amen. amen. So you gotta learn how to calibrate prayer. What is prayer? It's easy. It's a construction of desire. Have you been constructing your desires through pornography? It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Have you been constructing your desires because of another $100,000 in your 401k? And there's nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes your desire and God is not first in your life, you are preparing for shipwreck. Because prayer is actually the beating heart of spirituality. And I had to return to prayer. And I had to learn that at the end of the day, prayer does not sound like this. Oh, Heavenly Father, the ancient of the ages, we pray that the hermitology in our lives will be somehow dissipated, God, by the, the ecclesiology and the coming of Christ, that somehow through pneumatological situations, God, you would help us to be the ecclesia. I think God's up there going, what did he say? <laughs> Those of you entering into this wonderful life, prayer is nothing more than communication. And God wants you to communicate with him. Well, how do I communicate with God? You talk to him like you talk to your friends. And half of you just went, oh, no, 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 no. You had me till you said that. You see, if you have to come to God and talk to God like you talk to your friends. And the reason being is when you get to the place where prayer is nothing but a theological dissertation, you lose the recesses of your heart. This is not about knowing. This is not about believing. This is about loving him and thirsting and hungering for him. And here's the secret about God. You can bring your fake you to God and he'll reject you every time. You can bring him the one you present to Pastor Marcus. You can bring him the one you show your mother. You can bring him the one that you show your father-in-law. But until the real you shows up, God won't deal with you. He only will deal with the authentic self. And so you bring your authentic self. No, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. You must. 
You must come to the place in your walk with God to where you are not faking or trying to pull the wool over God's eye, which you can't to begin with. You must come to the place in your life where you say, God, I cussed out my neighbor this week and I loved it. All you religious people don't write me no letters. What I'm trying to say in a funny way is that when you come to God, you say, God, I'm broken. God, I preach the gospel all over the world. God, I know your word backwards and forwards. Believing is not an issue. I'm a, what I usually do is apologetics. Believing is easy for me. And God, I know. I know how to define pre-edemic nature. I know how to, to deal and to do the division between Calvinism and Arminianism. I got it. But God, none of those things help me. Because as Henry Nouwen says, what good is an educated Christian if his heart remains ignorant? So you come to God. You come back to God or you stay with God by going, God, I don't know how you can kill a two-month-old baby that I buried three weeks ago. And all these people call you good. But how many of you know God's good? Isn't it interesting, I gotta close with this. Isn't it interesting that God says, or let's, let's take insurance companies. Insurance companies say, it was an act of God. When 250,000 people were drowned in a tsunami during Christmas. But that's really unfair because you're attributing things to God that shouldn't be attributed to God because no one says 99% of the world remained safe that day thanks to God. Maybe we're living in a broken world with a groaning earth and that tectonic plates moved because of an earthquake and caused a tsunami to kill innocent lives. And that God didn't cause the tsunami, but God will be there with his people to give hope during a tsunami. All right. Teresa of Avila said prayer was the door of entry. And so if you're going to get close to God, you've got to pray. But for all you mature Christians, listen to me. Don't make my mistake. And this is going to sound strange. Never mistake worth for youthfulness. When all I do is pray to get something out of God, I've lost him. When I pray my list and my goal is results, I've lost him. But when I sit down and I pray and I say, God, turn my life around, something happens. And how does that happen? You find a solitary place. Because the most powerful prayer is hidden in lonely places. It's where you'll find the courage to do God's will without the lonely places in your life 
Where you pray, you're in danger. And so I've realized to go back and re-embrace worship that it's rather earthly. It's rooted in bread and wine and water and oil. And that we use these earthly things to communicate with God and that he first meets us in the material when we form a habit. That my body is here today, not so I can get something from God, but so I can present something to God. I have lungs to sing, I have knees to kneel, I have legs to stand and ears to hear, and hands to hold and tongues to praise Him. And that if I don't get anything else right today, I will get coming into His house and standing. I think we've got to get a new definition of success because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, our whole lives are filled up with things and we have never been more filled up and busy and been more unfulfilled in our life. But the truth is, it's actually emptiness and brokenness that leads us to God. And we don't like to talk about it because we don't like to talk about broken things and we don't like to talk about not being in control and we don't like to to go about this silliness. Last point. When I learned to embrace my brokenness, when I learned to give God my authentic self, it was the most freeing moment of my whole life because I didn't have to play anymore. It was so freeing because my brokenness, I always thought he would reject. And boy, was I surprised when I realized that he already knew it. Let me tell you what a strong Christian looks like. Not that. This is what a strong Christian looks like. When you walk with a limp, saved by grace, and you no longer value your productivity in Christ based on your performance, and you just simply come to Him and know that you don't have to dance or sing or do whatever to perform this week for Him, that He loves you as the beloved just as you are, and that there's nothing you can do, no matter how good you think you are or how bad you feel like you've been, that will cause you to leave and lose the love of God in your life. And don't you ever forget that God loves broken things. God bless you. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.